Hello and welcome to the History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. My name is Russ Frustick, and I'm joined by Allegra Frank and Chris Plant. Welcome, guys. Hi. Uh, Hello. We have a very special episode today. We are talking about Chuck E. Cheese, uh, truly the f- most fun place on the planet. Chris Plant, as I understand it, you are the Chuck E. Cheese expert in the house. I've become one. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I, I think of myself more as a Monopoly expert, uh, but uh, I didn't get that episode. So I've been left with old Chuck Cheddar. But, you know, I, I, think, I think I have a tale to tell you. I want to make you a promise right from the start, okay? Yeah. This story, it will have corporate intrigue. It will have a million-dollar lawsuit, uh, a pair of child prodigies, and... It will end with a humongous explosion involving an experimental fuel. Oh my gosh. Talk about build-up. This, this is the story of my good pal Chuck Cheddar. So, okay. This, this, it's going to be more of a history-focused episode. I'm going to pepper it with quiz questions to keep you engaged. Okay, well, I should mention from the jump, I don't think I've ever physically been in a Chuck E. Cheese, let alone seen one. I've never been to one, yeah. Oh, so you didn't have good childhoods. That's interesting. Yeah. The year is 1976. George Lucas, director, maybe you've heard of him, has begun filming Star Wars in Tunisia. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak have formed Apple, the Boston Celtics, beat the oh, Phoenix Suns, I don't think these are all related overtime to Chuck E. Cheese. In Game 5 of the NBA Finals, <laughs> in what is one of the greatest games of all time, in the Son of Sam strikes in New York City. If you City. can combine these into being Chuck E. Cheese related, I'm going to be so impressed. <laughs> Meanwhile, in sunny California, okay. Nolan Bushnell, the co-founder of Atari, has sold the company to get he, he wants he wants investment basically so that he has uh, cash to release Atari hardware in which a uh, cartridge can be added to the console if you will and then you don't just have to ship like one permanent piece of hardware you can sell games as cartridges cool pretty big idea he also wants to distribute arcades to kids because he he looks at the numbers right and he's like okay I sell arcade cabinet. I get $1,500. And then the arcade owners, they get 50 grand getting those quarters from those little kids, right? Yeah, but they got to service so, it and clean the gum out and stuff. Like, it's no, not no, all no, profit. Listen, I, I'm putting in you the brain of Bush now. Okay. You know, you should be so lucky to share his meat space. <laughs> but he can't, he can't compete with the people he's selling to. He needs, like, a new idea, okay? So... Now I'm going to kind of give you an idea of, like, where arcades and video games are in the 1970s. They're not like today. Like, for one, they actually exist. Arcades are mostly a place for, like, teenagers and adults. They're, they're packed into, like, the corner bars. They're seedy. Uh, probably the only place that you'd really see them for, like, little kids is Disney World. But not everybody's going to hop on a plane to go to an arcade so they need to find a solution for getting uh, arcades for little kids where parents will actually want the kids to go there and not feel like they're going to get beat up by those, like, typical 1970s teens. Sure. Like, we've seen Stranger Things. We know, <laughs> That's 80s, though. We know how the story ends. I know. And in the 70s, it was even worse. Oh, my it God. It was still bad in the 80s, <laughs> to be clear. 
I mean, yeah, it was bad, but like Pacino, the seventies. Wait, are you implying that Pacino was playing Pac-Man in bars in the seventies? Probably. I don't know. Everybody was playing Pac-Man in bars. Serpico? Is that a scene in Serpico? On on the flip side, here's the US. The US is changing. Two income households, more common than ever, but that means less time to cook, less time to spend with the fam. According to Food Service Marketing, a trusted source for news. Children were wealthier than ever before. And they cite the guilt of absent parents who are just like, oh, get two the, parents the now. The guilt of absence, absent parents. I don't think it's guilt. The guilt, they not just, the guilt. Oh my god, I think it's the guilt of absent parents. I was like, they formed an organization. Uh, I don't think it's guilt, though. I think it's clearly they just want a like, cheap babysitter in the form of Pac-Man. That that is that is the other thing. Also, parents uh, because they're, they they feel guilty, but they also want you know like kids to be like they were when they were kids. So they're telling them to mow lawns, they're telling them to babysit, and just giving them some cash to go like keep themselves busy. Sure, right. This has also been a decade of instability for chain restaurants. In fact, I did not know this. There had been a sing along pizza parlor already in the 1950s called Shakey's. Oh, so I've heard of Shakey's Pizza. That's what that is. But they didn't have robot bears yeah. and stuff. Well, they moved away from entertainment because the instability of the 70s, you just had to get down to brass tacks. Sure. So now chain restaurants are coming back. Parents need a place to take their kids. Bushnell is a huge fan of Disney. He actually went, this is according to an interview with NPR, he went to the Tiki Room. Oh, yeah. You love Disneyland. the Tiki Room. It, and it all came together, which makes me so happy because it is one of the greatest, most offensive places on earth. He probably <laughs> had a Dole Whip in his hand, and he was like, I get it. A single venue for food, an arcade, and, why not, animated robotic entertainment. <laughs> and thus was born the initial idea for Chuck Cheddar, Chuck E. Cheese. So he actually had some help. Uh, he is still at Atari, the consumer division president and gen- general manager of the restaurant operating division at Atari. Sure. Okay. Uh, Gene Landrum. Oh, wait, wait. Together, so that they, was, cobbled- they, were, they were basically in charge of like putting arcades in restaurants? I think, but a restaurant operating implies yeah. like, they were running like restaurants. They have them. What if they just established all these divisions like preemptively like okay we're gonna have a library we're gonna have restaurants we're gonna have schools we gotta get heads for those wait why why did you start with public works (laughs) (laughs) those are the three things that matter in my life school i don't know gene (laughs) i don't think this is gonna work we're competing with the national government don't worry about it (laughs) so him and gene cobbled together a pitch around a mascot costume that he had purchased at a trade show okay sure and they, they, they decide, let's go with pizza because it's cheap. slow to make. And well, yeah, cheap, but you actually want it to be slow because if the food is slow, then there's more time for the kids to play games. Yeah. Pizza's not slow. Pizza is slow. At the time, you would have to like put in your order. It wasn't like a, a, like a burger was at the time. They hadn't had the revolution of cheap microwave pizza. You actually made a pizza. Also, what they did is they would make each individual slice, and then they'd be like, no, I wanted a whole pie, and then they would start over again. More slices. And each individual pepperoni. They would slaughter the pig. It was a process. So, time for the first Chuck E. Cheese. May 17th, So the costume is, just to be clear, the costume was a mouse. Can you please not spoil? 
I mean, my okay, I'm sorry. podcast <laughs> because, okay, we're going to get to that in a second. May 17th, 1977, Chuck E. Cheese, Pizza Time Theater. It opens in San Jose, California, about a 5,000 square foot converted brokerage office. Uh, despite being huge compared to pizza parlors at the time, it immediately feels small because they give kids tokens whenever they make an order. And it is like giving them that first bump. They yeah. are mm. hooked. Does that fall under our be kid friendly thing? I, talking about mm, let's just keep moving on. Bump. Let's keep moving on and not address it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and according to Fortune, he actually considered Bushnell did considered banning unaccompanied teens, and he he went with animated entertainment not just because he likes Tiki Room, but because he could pay no wages because they're they're just like robots. Oh, so you, don't, you don't gotta pay them. No, but the, the robots. robots can't take care of anyone like they can't clean yeah, but they, inter- they take care of kids by entertaining them do you know how hard of a job that is i mean i get <laughs> it they're better oh at that than humans okay quiz time you need to hire people to like protect the robots from being attacked and like pizza being the thrown robots on protect them. themselves no they don't not then they do now in westworld i'm sorry go ahead plant <laughs> trivia what animal costume did bushnell believe he had purchased mouse no wrong obviously wrong why would i ask you that question (laughs) if it was a mouse i'm gonna say a bear okay wait if it looks kind of like a mouse but it's not a mouse i'm gonna guess rabbit that's not gonna help you i will tell you straight up that will okay then i'm gonna go completely off the beaten trail and say turtle okay it is a coyote he (laughs) he was going to name the restaurant coyote pizza Good name. And then he, he showed everyone at Atari, the mascot, and they were like, uh, I'm sorry, that's a rat. And he's like, great, we'll call it Rick Rat's Pizza. And the marketing and PR department were like, take a weekend, spend some time with yourself. Go to a spa. They came back and they said, we've got it. Chuck E. Cheese. It's alliterative, like Mickey Mouse. They knew he loved Disney. Mm-hmm. And it's a, mouse. it's a triple smile name. If you say it, you have to smile three times. Chucky? Oh, you do. Terrifying. Okay, mm-hmm. but plant. Why was it Chuck E instead of Chucky? Because you stop. You get another Look, smile out of I, it. I, I'm not a PR mastermind like the Wiz Kids over at Atari in 19. Was there a concern that like this was like you're going mouse to mouse? So, like Mickey Mouse is obviously a big deal, <laughs> right? You're just doing a lot of mice. <laughs> I mean, yeah, also, is he technically yeah, a rat or is he a mouse? Well, I mean, hmm. it's a rat costume, but I think that they're like, let's call him a mouse. And he's got rounded ears. How would you ever confuse a coyote with rounded yeah. ears? <laughs> oh, Have my you God. seen a photo well, of it? Okay. Also, the fact that I, he wanted yes. it to be a coyote. <laughs> so, uh, 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 earlier this week, Russ and I played Disneyland on Connect. Yeah. Yes. Whatever. D- Disneyland Adventures. And people showed us the early photographs of what Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse looked Terrifying. like on opening day. Horror show. Uh, let me tell you, Chuck E. Cheese does not look a whole lot better. Oh, my God. He, you, you can definitely see how people saw it and were like, I don't know. It's mammalian. And that's about as far as I can get. <laughs> sure. So, uh, expansion time, right? Uh, 1978. It's a year later. 
Bushnell gets forced out of Atari by its new owners, Warner Communications. Oh. He's only two years into a five-year non-compete in the video game space. Okay. Because when, when they purchased Atari, it was like, okay, you have yeah, to like, you can't go work not work Sega. on games or stay here. Yeah. So he has money. He made, apparently, around $15 million, uh, from Warner's purchase of Atari. That doesn't that, seem like a his, lot. Am I crazy? Because they like the time, owned the gaming space at that point. Not, not yet. That actually didn't have they their like real breakthrough is in essentially now, like beginning in seventy eight, going to the crash. As soon as they got Bushnell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Once we got him out, we can make real cash. So uh he uses five hundred thousand dollars of his personal wealth. Sure. He buys the rights and the single what's then called Pizza Time restaurant from Atari, because they're like, whatever. Wait, what was that the genre this? of the restaurant Pizza Time? No, it th- Pizza Time is actually the like official corporate name. Oh, so they it's Chuck they, E. Cheese's Pizza Time restaurant. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese owns Pizza Time. Oh. You are invited to his Pizza Time. Okay, <laughs> it's his time for pizza. So, <laughs> Landrum, the 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 other guy that we talked about, the restaurant guy, somehow had restaurant expertise at Atari. He leaves Atari, becomes the first president and COO of Chuck E. Cheese. Does that count as a non-compete uh, if you're working for another restaurant, if you're originally at a video game company? M- my guess is since you acquired his division, essentially, okay, sure. they probably weren't going to complain. Sure. Okay, so the two open a second restaurant in the exact same area. This one, the first one was 5,000 square feet. Mm. This one is 20,000 square crap. feet. Holy crap. They take That's over a size. grocery store. They're fitting between 40 to 100 games into these spaces. That's crazy. So in, in Food Service Marketing Magazine, our, our, our go-to source for journalism, Landrum uh, compares pizza time with a Vegas hotel. He's like, a Vegas hotel has food operations, gaming operations, and entertainment operations. Oh, God. And you wouldn't consider doing one without the other. That's so crazy. So that kind of gives you an idea of where their ambitions are at. Okay. So from the get-go... These, these places are heavily themed. They, they have Fantasy Forest Game Preserve, Jasper T. Jowell's General Store. I mean, it, there's essentially real estate within the real estate. Hold on. I have um, a question. So they have yes. two restaurants at this point. Yeah. Why would you ever go to the other one if they're in the well, same area? Re- are they like a block away from each other? Are they far apart? I, so uh, apparently, this is a stat that I did not think I would have to use. I guess at the time, going more than five miles for a restaurant was really uncommon. And they would brag about how people would go 10 miles to get to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> yeah, because they had to take like a horse and buggy. It took a while. In the 70s, yep. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, most animatronics, you're picturing like the stage show, right? Sure. That's not how it worked. They were hung kind of in relief. Essentially, as if you imagine like a classic frame. Like hung on the wall, like it's like a like a head of a moose. Yeah, kind of like that, but coming through a frame. So not entirely like that, but yeah, good guess. Like zombie taxidermy. Yeah, <laughs> but, but not dead. Reaching out from another dimension that is within your wall. And what would happen? So I the would... curtain would like when they finish their scene, the curtain would close and they disappear behind the no, wall. No, there there could be no curtain because they're reaching out of frames on the wall. They're, <laughs> they're just they're always huge there. Monstrosities. And also, no need for a curtain because the shows would happen every seven minutes. Imagine <laughs> the hell for any parent that had to go there. Oh also, my God. Chuck E. Cheese is a, just a like welcome to Joyzy like vaudeville character. Sure, who who is always munching on his signature cigar. 
What? <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, they, they served beer and wine at this place. Oh, wow. I mean, Whoa. you know, they, they took care of you if you ever made it down to Chuck Shetty's. They, they had a good uh, vintage, you would say, like Primo Napa? You know, I'm, I'm going to guess not because <laughs> Landrum uh, himself described the food as not super great. <laughs> His uh, phrase for the pizza was thin crust and relatively bland. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so did Chuck, did Charles, our good friend Charles... Did he have like his high pitched voice and just like was sucking on a cigar with this very high pitched voice? I don't. That might just be my impersonation. Yeah, Joyzy, Joyzy, a wise guy, eh? You wouldn't believe it. Everybody I know here is named Nookie. Um. <laughs> anyway, they couldn't have a spicy pizza because it would give the kids upset tummy. So, 1979, things are going very well. They have six units now. Each one is averaging a million dollars a year. So they're doing good. Um, 80% of that is from food and drink, 20% from games. Interesting. But the 20% from games generates roughly 40% of profits. Whoa. Oh, because so, there's no overhead for the games. Yeah. I mean, and also his, his, his entire logic worked, right? Like, yeah. Are, he's getting all that. All that cash. Are they all like within spitting distance? Like I'm picturing Southern California. Where are, they, where are these located? They're they're yeah they're all on the West Coast. I believe at this point mostly within California. Yeah. They're all just ten miles apart from each other. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you asked that because Bushnell he has expansion on the mind. Hell yeah! He wants to get away from the West Coast. He wants to in five years time. Open between 500 and 1,000 Chuck E. Cheese. In five years? Whoa. In five years. Oh, my God. So he, he makes an agreement with a hotelier named Robert Brock, who will get the exclusive rights for 16 states in the, the South and the Midwest. And uh, Brock forms essentially a company called Pizza Showbiz, <laughs> which is a subcompany meant to develop uh, 200, up to 200 of his own units, and then sign franchisees for another 85 units. Sure. So basically, like, the scheme is kind of coming into place, I just right? feel like, like the, you have, in five years, you could not produce that many robots. I feel like there's got to be a ceiling to how many robots. robots? It's interesting that you say that. I wonder if anything could happen. <laughs> um, so Bushnell, like, he needs Brock, actually, because... At this point, he is funding pizza time with his Atari money. Sure. Well, Brock, who is a hotelier, has a huge line of credit from all his hotel franchises, so he can take out millions of dollars to open these restaurants. Around the same time, uh, while prepping his restaurant in Kansas City, the greatest, represent. The greatest city <laughs> on earth, you represent, uh, Brock is given a heads up about this prodigy named Aaron Fector. And Factor, who is only 25, is something of like a robotics genius. He's running a 25-person animatronics company called Creative Engineering out of Orlando. Obviously, yeah. sure. Disney and a bunch of other theme parks. Uh, according to Fortune, Bushnell actually met Factor at least once. So Bushnell, not Brock. Bushnell had met Factor once, possibly twice at trades shows, and had inquired uh, into buying Factor's company. He was impressed by some of the animation aspects that mm -hmm. he could do with robotics. Smart. Um, but when Brock asked about him, Bushnell was like, eh, no, like, there's nothing to that guy. Don't, don't worry about him. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't want to meet him. 
Brock, of course, goes and see him. He like sees him anyway, and he is stunned. Uh, at the point, Pizza Time's Chuck E. Cheese robotics are like loud and kind of click like locusts. Yeah, uh, God. Vector ah! has he has, he has a five piece band, and like apparently, comparably, it is stunning. Uh, just markedly better. So Brock is immediately afraid that Bushnell can't compete. Uh, so he goes back to Bushnell, and he's like, "I'm dissolving this. Peace. I'm done." Bushnell's like, no way in hell. You owe me 285 restaurants. Uh, Brock gets into a partnership with Fector anyway. He uh, gives Fector 20% of Showbiz Pizza to produce the robots. Uh, and it looks like he's going to make like one Chuck E. Cheese because he was so far in development. And sure. then you get into Showbiz, right? Just a single, single Chuck E. Cheese location. A single Chuck E. Cheese in Kansas City. And then, so that, 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 that looks like what we're heading into okay. in 1980. Uh, at the Antioch Shopping Center, he's about to open this Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, Bushnell ships him the robots, and at the last minute, he's like, I want none of it. What? Sends the robots back. <gasps> tells Factor to expedite production. They <laughs> install their own Rockafire Explosion Band. <gasps> what? Wow! Led by, at first, Billy Bob himself. It's very Country Bears Jamboree. I mean, people have seen the Rockafire Explosion Band, even mm-hmm. if you don't know showbiz. Really? It wasn't like... Is that the it, Country it Bears? The, yeah, no. Rockafire Explosion is whenever people picture Chuck E. Cheese, often they're picturing, like, this band, okay. even though it wasn't Chuck E. Cheese. Sure. Mm, okay, um, yeah. And their big hook is they sing Beach Boys and Beatles knockoffs. <gasps> so the parents in the audience are like... Sure, whatever. Are like, they knockoffs or, or are they covers? I believe they're like probably like close enough somewhere legally in between. Surfing Kansas oh City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the band has six shows that run roughly four minutes each, <sighs> and then they just run on loop. So you hear that show pretty quick. That's what I don't understand about the success of these restaurants. Is like. Uh-huh. What, literally, what parent would be able to sit in this environment and be like, "I'm coming back here." That's what I want to get. I think I I look. I'm not a parent yet, but my guess is that you are so appreciative of any distraction whatsoever that you you gain the capacity to tune out yeah, the entire sure. world. Uh, this is pre iPad, so there's no way to really like cheaply shut your kid up. It's just a bunch of parents staring dead eyed out <laughs> out into the <laughs> eating the bland pizza, either, eating terrible pizza, just numb to it all. <laughs> but good wine. <laughs> Love this wine. A great cab. Um, So, of course, legal battle ensues. Bushnell sues Brock. Brock countersues Bushnell for misrepresentation. Mm. Uh, They eventually settle out of court. Showbiz Pizza agrees to pay Pizza Time some of its profits for at least the next 14 years. Okay, pretty good. Um, Bushnell at the time estimates that he'll make about $50 million off of just that. Um. So, okay, quiz time. How much do you think it cost at, at this moment in time that we're at, uh, early 1980s, to open a showbiz pizza? Showbiz is the Bushnell one or the, the other one? Showbiz is the Brock one. The Brock one. Okay, so I would With the guess... the fancy robots. this point in time, let's say $1.5 million. Uh, Allegra? Uh, okay. I'm going to say 
$1.6 million. You jerk. <laughs> you, you both were close. It cost $1.25 oh, yeah. Dang it, you were closer. Yeah, I 90K win. of that went into the eight animals. 20K was only for 50... Only 90K for eight robot animals? Yeah, wow. Yeah, things were cheaper than I thought. 20K for 50 video games and 30 amusement park devices. That's pretty cheap, too. And then yeah, just yeah. the property and stuff? And then, yeah, then the rest is like... The rest was for the pizza. Estate. The <laughs> huge spaces. Oh, yeah, and that delicious, sweet, sweet, <laughs> bland pizza. Um, <clears throat> so, despite the lawsuit, things are very good. It, it's kind of like um, an arms race at this point between the two of them. A robot arms race. Okay, so Chuck E. Cheese moves the characters out, off of the terrifying frames... They get a stage show, sure. finally. They diversify their characters. Basically, the idea is that if you did go to a Chuck E. Cheese in the same city, mm. uh, you would see different, like, special guest characters. <laughs> that way, you're motivated to, like, get the full canon. Yeah, like Bob um, Balaban? Like, what kind of special guest are we talking about? Yeah, Bob. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I might be getting this mixed up, but I believe they were named after, like, stars at the time, so it'd be, like, Elkton John. Oh, that's pretty good. Wait, so the premise for that was like they wanted people to plan their vacations around where Chuck E. Cheese locations were? No, no, I think it's more like you can go to Chuck E. Cheese multiple times a month and just go to different Chuck E. Cheese. And have a different experience. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, but have sure. I, mean, I like the idea of people road tripping across the country to meet all of the celebrity animatronics. <laughs> Farrah Fawcett. Um, <sighs> Fector, uh, who you know did the fancy robots, he is now designing games. Ironically, uh, for two to twelve year olds, Bushnell is waiting for Atari's non compete to lapse so he can get in that game. Because the idea is that whoever has the better games will sure have probably the better restaurant. Um. Both chains are hitting three times to four times sales of traditional pizza chains. Wow. D- despite having, like, a- everybody agrees, worse and slower pizza. <laughs> um, they can fit 400 customers into most of their shops, which is way more than their competitors. Um, and sometimes the two are opening up in eyesight of each other. Whoa. So the same shopping center would have a showbiz and a Chuck. Oh, Chuck my cheese. God. It's like West Side Story. Um, Pizza Time manages to go public in 1981. Uh, Bushnell passes over management so he can focus on his tech incubator, including a project that's basically Neo Geo. It's a cart-based arcade cabinet. Wow. Um, By 1982, the stock has nearly doubled for our our pals at Chuck Cheddar. And according to uh, Fortune Magazine in 1982, Brock's uh, company had a 234% increase in two years of public training. They're just doing staggering. 131 Chuck E. Cheeses, 75 show pizzas. They both have tens of millions of dollars in capital. Um, and in 1982, both of the restaurants are opening at a rate of one every five days. That's crazy. So and, it's and terrifying. truly, truly, truly great. Should be great. Storm's coming, though. Uh, this is a quote from Lee Eisger of Payne Weber Mitchell Hutchins, Inc. Oh, yeah. He must uh, as be a blast of parties. To Fortune. <laughs> These places... These places don't have the best video game arcade or best restaurants. Anyone can replicate the idea and what'll happen when the novelty wears off. Competition is coming from uh, Bailey Arcade. Sega, Warner, uh, who they had worked for, now has stores in which they're uh, using Looney Tunes characters. 
And even Brock has had his own people break away to partner with ex-Disney animators mm. to open their own versions. So oh there God. are rampant uh, ripoffs. And how many can the market really sustain? How much demand really is there for these outrageous places? That is a great question, which we'll get to after this brief intermission. <laughs> you like that? We build up. We come to the big turning point, and now I've got something totally different for you. Oh, my Let's God. Let's talk about animatronics. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> so, Vector, you're probably wondering, like, who's this 24-year- or 25-year-old genius? Yeah. He made a TV repair business at the age of 11. What? But he couldn't lift the TV sets, oh, so he had to close. that's predictable. <laughs> and fun side story in the reporting for this podcast, while researching it, I found out that a Denver reporter plagiarized that anecdote from a Kansas City reporter a year after she wrote it first, <laughs> word for word. <laughs> wow. What, what do I do now? <laughs> Just rampant plagiarism happening in the early 80s. Um, he graduated from college, I believe, at 19, and the first thing he wanted to do was make a two-person car roughly the size of a golf cart that got 90 miles per gallon. Awesome. Whoa. Quiz time. What would he name that car? Smart car. Mm, nope, not that one. How about you, Allegra? <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna say cart to go. Closer. Which is a pun on a thing that didn't exist yet. <laughs> Smart car, too. He wanted to name it, this is also a pun on a thing that didn't exist, the Jutta. Oh. Like a Jetta, but with a U. The Wait, Jutta. The Jetta didn't exist yet? Did it? I don't know. I don't it might know. Have. How long has the Jetta existed? I feel like that's an early I 90s. I hope it did, because Jetta is a stupid name. Yeah, what is the Jetta like, even trying to evoke? What does that mean? Listen, I'm not... It juts not out? <laughs> anyway, I'm that. assuming that car did not happen. So, no. And neither did his uh, leaf-sucking-up device for pools. Mm. Uh, he really didn't even get into amusement park animatronics until he was contracted to make some amusement park devices, and then they didn't pay him. So Aww. out of spite, he was like, great, now I'm just going to do this, and I'm going to take it to trade shows, and I'm going to go around to all these people. I'm just going to build a he, robot army, army and see what I'm happens. I'm just going to spend Which even more money and make he robots. Did. <laughs> In 1978, he revealed his animatronic band, the Wolfpack 5, inspired by the Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> and that is probably where he met Bushnell for the first time. Amazing. Um, his business was substantial. By the time he was working with Showbiz, he had 200 employees. Uh, who would put over a hundred sets of twelve showbiz characters together a year, which wow. is twelve hundred robots. <gasps> um, he Imagine how annoying that factory must have been. <laughs> God, because <laughs> they had to test all of them. Yeah, just uh-huh. constant robots singing. Um, at, at the time, maybe still today, he had a, somewhat of a negative relationship with cash. Uh, he told Fortune, "I don't know anyone uh, nice who has money." He he liked that. People didn't have to pay to see his robot show. They went to showbiz and they paid for the pizza, but the show was free in theory. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but he owned 70% of Creative Engineering, his, his robots company. He owned 16% personally of showbiz, and he had a salary of 70K. So, so he was doing pretty well. He was doing pretty okay. Uh, in a 1981 interview with the Kansas City Star, he, he was very ambitious. He said, I think electronimation will end up in nightclubs as entertainment for adults. I think eventually we can program characters for drama for plays like a serious performance of Shakespeare. No, 
he, he did recognize that that was unlikely, and he's like, we might have to start with like funny performances of Shakespeare to get people on board before we get them into so like, like Midsummer Night's Dream. You mean? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, the, <laughs> oh the funny ones. He's like, first we'll start with strip clubs, and then we'll get to Shakespeare. <laughs> my true dream. Um, I, I, I wanna, I don't wanna like eat too much time. I wanna get back to the story, but I do wanna mention this a, another person. This, uh, this woman, she worked at Chuck E. Cheese. She was on the other side of the fence. Um, Jewel Kamen, she was a cosmetic product designer. Basically, because you had to dress the robots, you designed their, like, skin the way you would design a costume. Uh. Yeah. Um, she, she had this to say, 90% of my time is spent documenting things and finding sources of supply. Right now, we're looking for a source of pink velour for an elephant. The people in ordering just called me to tell me that pink velour isn't in this year. Chuck E. Cheese's fur was discontinued recently, and we had to have some specially dyed to replace it. I will just die if stretchy terry cloth goes out of style. We use it for everything. Otherwise, we'd have to sew darts. (laughs) I will just die. She is my hero. I want to meet her so bad. I tried to find her on LinkedIn. She's not there. Oh, someday. I am disappointed. Um, also, one other quick Chuck E. Cheese animatronics thing. The, the robot that most people know, that was well, released in 1998. It was created by Garner Holt, who is probably best known for doing the Pantasmic uh, Dragon at Disneyland, which is a big thing. And more recently, he's done some of the cars at Cars Land. So what is the robot that most people know? It like actually looks good. It's kind of after What's our childhood. It called? We, it's called Chuck E. Cheese, I don't know, like 5.0. Oh, a robot of Chuck E. Cheese himself. Yeah, because they they started paring down the band, and they're like, let's just get one good Chuck robot. Sure. Because, like, that's what the people are showing up here for. They're here for Chuck. Yeah, that's reasonable. Gotta see their Chuck. Okay, back to the main story. So, Bushnell is busy with his incubators. Uh, He is working uh, on all, all of these absurd things. According to a Wikipedia page that I think maybe he wrote or somebody close <laughs> to him, his things would uh, it somehow go on to become the beginnings of Pixar and Google Maps. Whoa. There's a, there's a way of framing it that that's like some software is sure. Uh, but he's busy, distracted, when suddenly the video game crash of 1983 comes. Mm-hmm. Not good. Also, it turned out that... Uh, they were getting a lot of false positives on how popular Chuck E. Cheese is. Uh, they were seeing families come in three times a month and filling the venues. Turns out, it's just novel. And once the novelty wears oh. off, people aren't super into it. Also known mm-hmm. as the parents were miserable for every minute of their lives <laughs> while they were there and would never come back. <laughs> and here, here's the twist that I was not prepared for. 1984, Bushnell resigns in February the company files for chapter chapter eleven bankruptcy. Oh no! Wow, so fast. And it's acquired by Showbiz Pizza. <gasps> Brilliant! Oh, wow! So all this time we've been going to Showbiz Pizza. Oh my they god! Merged, they merge into Showbiz Pizza, and the weird thing about this is, as a kid, I went to Showbiz Pizza in Kansas City, and you didn't know. Oh, that was the first one. No, I went to the real one. I went to Showbiz Pizza. And then people would be like, Chuck E. Cheese. And I was like, no, Chuck E. Cheese is for posers. Showbiz is where it's at. So they would keep some of them called Chuck E. Cheese, and then some of them were still called Showbiz. Mm. Or did they 
interesting that you would that. say that. So, <laughs> oh boy, good for setup. six years they try that, right? They're like, I right, Chuck E. Cheese, Showbiz, teach their own. You know, maybe you like old Chuck Cheddar, maybe you like the Rocket Fire Explosion. Hmm. But at a certain point, they're like, hey, we have a nine million dollar marketing budget. Spreading that across two entirely different brands that compete with each other doesn't make <laughs> sense. Let's start unifying under Chuck E. Cheese. Sure. Around this time, Factor and Creative Engineering are like, no thanks. You know, we have our own characters. We're piecing out. So they lose their big robot whiz. Uh, they develop a new show in which Chuck E. Cheese, uh, this is just for show business, where Chuck E. Cheese has to introduce the other band and be like, hey, uh, don't worry about those old guys. Uh, they, they, they're off to a farm. Uh, where they're going to play to their heart's content, but I want to introduce you to my new friends, um, and I think you're going to love them just as much. Uh, and and they were they the company was really worried. There are like multiple like business week whatever magazine reports of will the brand survive because people are so loyal to sure. their their crappy pizza place, but apparently not because um, they'd only come once and never come back. <laughs> uh, correct. So. Uh, Basically, it works out, and, and here's where the story just kind of goes into what you're familiar with. 1994, they drop pizza from the name. They update the logo. Uh, 1998, Showbiz Pizza Time, Inc. finally becomes CEC Entertainment, Inc. Yeah. Chuck mm. E. Cheese, got it. 2012, uh, hoping to win kids' hearts, they redesigned Chuck E. Cheese as a DreamWorks-looking rodent. Voiced by <gasps> Bowling for Soup's Jarrett Reddick. No, really? Wow. <gasps> yep. What? That's yep. nuts. Um, 2014, the company is acquired by Apollo Global Management for oh, that's an evil dollars <laughs> per share, roughly $950 million. I feel like this is a sign of our Blade Runner-esque like, uh, cyberpunk apocalypse in which <laughs> everything is owned by some parent a holding company that just sounds like it truly is evil. Yeah. Apollo Global Management. Um, yeah. They force you to have... T- uh, I'm not going to go into it. They definitely um, have a statue of a giant fist in their lobby, just like <laughs> crushing the earth. <laughs> so, what is Chuck E. Cheese today? 2017. We, we, mm. It turns out we're recording this podcast at the right moment. Hell yeah. Because change is coming to Chuck Cheddar. How many are and there right now? Do you know? I do, but I'm not going to tell you because that's going to be a quiz. Oh, trivia. Okay, good. <laughs> um, in August, uh, management pilots new design in seven spots, including three in Kansas City. Wait, this is August of like just a couple months ago. August. Yeah, this okay. year. Wow. The, the new restaurants have a muted design. They have an open <laughs> kitchen. Instead of tokens, you have a credit card basically oh. like a pass sure uh like, yeah. but you still get tickets because kids love tickets yep which is smart in my opinion uh the new logo looks like it just like an app icon like it looks like every free app icon oh it's like a lowercase e essentially on, no on an it's angle. like his face but really flat oh yeah uh, yeah ios design sure uh it's like a clean version of old Chuck's face. Yeah. The rooms are much brighter. I know that neither of you went as a kid, but the only thing I remember is how it was so dark that when a kid pissed in the ball pit, you didn't know. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to see piss in a ball pit to begin with, so... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only saying filters. this because my little cousin, the last time I ever went to one, I think this is actually a knockoff called Major Magics, 
my my little cousin, who is now is a grown man, uh, made a show of standing at the top of the slide and peeing down the slide into the ball pit. That's alpha. Which is choice. Super alpha. <laughs> that is so it. smart. Um, basically, the reason they were like redesigning is they realized, hey, yeah, parents don't like coming. They're only coming for birthdays when they have to suffer. It took until 2017 to realize. Yep. Parents what if this. What if we made a place where like parents would want to eat regularly that, you know, kids want to go to, but overall it's closer to just a normal restaurant? Sure. I would say the, the aesthetic looks like somewhere between a, a daycare and an Applebee's and a Shake Shack. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Is it, is, uh, are robots still a thing in them? Or... I'm so glad you asked. Yeah. No. <gasps> They're getting rid of the animatronic stage. They're replacing it with a dance floor, baby. Oh. Get those kids out. Get those little feet moving. Are they hiring um, like dancers to like jazz well, the crowd I, up? Well, so people come out in, in the mascot costumes throughout the history of Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, sure. So I, I think that's who it is. Okay. Um, this is the official statement. Our animatronics are certainly legendary and they bring up fond childhood memories for millions of adults and fans across the country. As we move forward, we believe our live Chucky experience provides the best entertainment value for kids who have higher expectations of both realism and special effects. I do like that they refer to him as Chuck E. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, well, they should Factor, just have like a hologram Chuckies. That would be rad. Yeah, they should just spend like all the money in the world <laughs> and like figure out how holograms work, and then and then just use that. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah, have a hologram DJ Chucky. They brought Michael back from dead, so they could do it with Chuck Tupac. And Cheese. Will <laughs> Tupac, I am was yeah. a hologram. <laughs> uh, did we, uh, can I ask you uh, before I forget? Did we establish what the E stands for? Uh, Edward. No. Did you make that up? You spent all yeah, this time researching. I, I don't know. want you to make stuff up. No, the E's for entertainment plan. Probably entertainment. Chuck, oh yeah, I forgot. Chuck Thanks Entertainment Cheese. Our other expert who's been <laughs> downplaying her rich knowledge. Um, so uh, Fector told the Chicago Tribune, this is the man who made the robots, uh, to this day, a lot of my characters are still out there performing with Chuck E. Cheese masks and costumes and voices but not very well because they're beat up. They're badly programmed <laughs> and their showmanship is terrible. It's an abomination. <laughs> I mean, that's his life work and now it's just rotting. Yeah. It's moldering. Somewhere out there, I know they're still playing and they are poor showmen. God. <laughs> you clowns. So that's that's the end of their story. I'm going to do a quick like uh, Breakfast Club style roundup of our two stars. Fector is still going, and here, I'm delivering on my promise. He's an inventor. He still has that giant factory space that once had, like, 200 employees. Yeah. That is now just him and the remains of, like, decades of other inventions. Amazing. In 2013, he was working on an experimental fuel called Uh-oh. hydrillium, which was stored under heavy pressure in, in steel tanks. A tank cracked, and the Uh-oh. pressure knocked down one of the in- giant brick walls of the factory. It lifted the ceiling. It was so powerful that it pushed the floor a foot in. Whoa. What? Yeah. Yeah. He has since repaired the shop. Good he retained him. the copyright uh, when the merger happened between Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz. 
uh, to his rocket fire explosion. So now he is repairing uh, versions of the band in his spot in Florida, and they occasionally do appearances and tours. They, so he they, moves the robots around? Yeah, like they did like backing for CeeLo. Whoa, that's amazing. Good for CeeLo. Spectre driving his animatronic friends in like that's a van. That's why need the fuel. He couldn't afford it otherwise. <laughs> Bushnell is still going to... He, he he is just challenging himself. He said in an interview with NPR, I believe just earlier this year, I want to stay on a steep part of the learning curve. When you do different things, you're happier. Yeah, that's true. Nice keep, little note. Keep yourself moving. Yeah. Okay. So now that we have him out of the way, oh, we get it. You're doing well. Um, <laughs> it's time for the final rapid fire, rapid fire trivia. How many stores are currently open? Okay, so out of curiosity, how many? Do you know what their peak was? Like at the peak of Chuck E. Cheese, how many? I, there were? I can't tell you that. Is that because you don't know, or <laughs> because you're just, I don't know? <laughs> I just cannot tell. Okay, you. but his intention was to open. He wanted like five hundred stores or a thousand stores within five years, right? And that was back Correct. in the eighties. Correct. Um, right now, I'm going to guess that there are thirty. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say 700. 5,223. How is that possible? 30. Because I literally in my life have never seen one. You want to know how it's possible? I drove across this whole country. What? Here's here's the next question. In the 1980s, Chuck E. Cheese expanded into Australia. What name did it go by? Oh my god. Was it still Chuck E. Cheese? Like it was still that guy. It's adjacent. Uh it's a kangaroo, probably. I was thinking koala or kangaroo, yeah. Kangaroo uh dairy. I don't know. Okay, no. Charlie Cheese's Pizza Playhouse. Charlie because Chuck because Chuck means puke in Australia. Oh yeah. It Up kind Chuck. of means puke here. It does. Yeah. yeah. And that's appropriate for Chuck E. Cheese, Charlie. I'd imagine. Charlie, uh, not Penny's <laughs> Boat. Anyway. <laughs> I thought you were doing Charlie bit me, not Penny's bite. Charlie bit me. <laughs> Charlie cheese bit me. What What else can you eat at Chuck E. Cheese besides pizza? Uh, hot dogs. Hamburgers, french fries, chicken, chicken tenders. Wings. Sure. Salads, a huge salad bar. That has been a, a staple of the Good. business. Okay. And cold cut sandwiches. Ugh. Cold cuts? It's got to be so heinous. Ew. <laughs> Uh, who who is the first character to be retired? I'm just gonna tell you, Krusty the Cat was replaced Krusty. in 19, 1978 by Mr. Munch. Um, and what what? This is the final question. What alternative entertainment did Showbiz offer parents when it first opened? Hmm. Laser show. I was gonna say Plus. like a, a peephole. What? Wait, I'm sorry. I'm what sorry. Is what? What does that mean? Like a little peep show. <laughs> oh, so a, stri- a strip club. Yes. Strip club. Peep hole. Oh, no, no. They didn't have a peep hole. It was okay. a family venue. They had a separate room that by day showed soap operas and by night showed sports. Oh, that's that smart. Way, sports it's like a sports smart. bar. The soap opera choice is interesting. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. So that's that. That is it. I I have some credits. Do you want me to put those at the end? Uh, yeah, credits. Go for it. 
Okay, credits. I want to credit uh, a few different places. Fortune, uh, Chicago Tribune, Food Service Marketing, Nation's Restaurant News, <laughs> Marilyn V. Green of Needle and Thread, the Denver Post, who I think may have plagiarized the Kansas City Star, <laughs> NPR's How I Built This Podcast, which has a great episode uh, interviewing Nolan Bushnell about Atari and Chuck E. Cheese, and a massive thanks to showbiz.com, which is a incredible resource of documents clippings pretty much anything you could want uh from the history of Chuck E. cheese and showbiz if you want to see terrifying photographs of the uh, the old old uh animatronics that is the place to go amen thank you chris plant that was very educational about Chuck E. cheese <laughs> it's so much more than you thought you wanted to know it or you actually wanted to far know. more than we thought we wanted I to know i feel like but we you have to what? go to one now yeah, I, there's I'm, one near me. Oh, that's we're gonna go. Scary. Okay, we'll 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 take a trip. Um, thank you, Chris Plant, and thank you everyone for listening at home. This has been History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do, and Chuck E. Cheese as well. <laughs> um, I have I am Russ Frustick for Chris Plant and Allegra Frank. Uh, thank you, and good night. <laughs> <laughs>